Hello, welcome to the Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Spellbreak. I almost said Fortnite. Before we do that, Buddy, watch other folks. I don't want to do this video on this podcast. On this podcast, we like to talk about games. And in our latest foray into the world of BRs, uh, we're talking about Spellbreak. Spellbreak. Which is a really interesting... I, I feel like this is a diamond in the rough. I have not seen people talk about this at all basically like i know people who have or like i like i've seen people you know on twitter or whatever um who are who who started working on the game a bunch of people from riot left to go work on Spellbreak, um but then it just like completely fell off my radar until you were like yeah i'm playing Spellbreak," and so then we played a bunch of Spellbreak, and i was just like holy fuck i can't believe this Spellbreak." yeah you know, and and to be fair, so I had played it back in pre-alpha, and it was it was very rough around the edges then. Um, it was it was still recognizable as to what it is now, but it was like, like there there I think there were a couple of key like it was just kind of like the shooting things. Um, there's none of the skills and the sorceries. Um, there's none of the kind of like the advanced skill stuff. Um, I put it down, and then friend of the cast Monik was like, "Ah, oh, let's check out the spellwork thing." I'm like, "Ah, oh, I'm already in on this. Let's do it." So uh, yeah. Um, yeah, the one of the funny things is, um, you know, I think uh, Spellbreak completely fits like a profile that I'm really interested in because I do think I like generally like BR sort of mechanics, but I probably, you know, like something I've expressed frustration about in the past is kind of like the super like long range kind of like nature of it. So it's kind of surprising that I that I just like I don't know this like never crossed my path in the in the previous like four years. I mean, the other funny thing is that, like, wow, well, whatever. Um, so, so I guess we're, I guess we're talking about Spellbreak. Yeah. Um, did you, what, what, what was that thought you that you just? Got? The other funny thing is that I actually technically, uh, I do like know some people who, uh, who like work on that game. It's just completely not something that I've, oh, that yeah. I've gotten into or talked to them about or anything along those lines. Fair enough. Yeah, no, um, so it's, it's made by Proletariat Games, which is out of Boston, which is near where I am, so that's always interesting. Um, not that, you know, I'm going to go knock on their office door or anything, but, you know, you, you don't see a lot of games these days, um, at least ones with a lot of uh, attention, I guess it's out of anywhere that isn't somewhere in California, right, or maybe mm. Montreal, right, like, you know, Ubisoft's in Montreal, but, like, there's not a um the the games tend to be pretty geographically restricted, but anyway, just to kind of set the set the the ground, it's a it's a, I mean, I feel like it's it was it's kind of like so it, sorry, let's start from the top. It feels it, it's a BR, it's a it's a it's a wizard based battle royale. It also has a dominion mode. It feels kind of like Fortnite in both the engine and the visual style, and also in that. Their secondary mode, Dominion, feels like it might have been the thing they were building in the first place, and they like jumped Absolutely. on the BR, BR train. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also think that um, it's it's very you know, it's like flighty in a way that certain BRs aren't. Warzone and PUBG are very heavy BR BRs in a way that Fortnite is. You know, you got a big jump, for instance, right? Um, Apex also kind of gets into this territory, yeah. I think, where it's um, you know. Uh, less about restriction on your character and there's actually quite a lot of movement involved yeah and there's also like it also feels like very physics based in a way that that like apex does too right like it, because sure. like like there's probably decent physics models in let's say 
Warzone at least, maybe PUBG, but like you never really get to interact with that because like you know your your hop is like a human hop, whereas like um, this game has levitation and some forms of flight, um, and you know Apex has like its various kind of like movement abilities as well that, that like lets physics kind of like impinge on on, on how you're doing or on what you're doing. But um, let's go over the, the the core basics. There are six types of gauntlets. Um, and uh, they each have, they all have a primary uh, shooting ability, which just kind of acts like your primary sh shot. Um, and uh, is, they also all have like a spell that goes along with them. And then you also can get during the course of play a glove on your offhand. Um, they all have rarities. The, your offhand glove doesn't have as many features as your primary hand glove. Um, Do you know what the rarities increase, by the way? Like uh, downtime on the sorcery, damage? Like... Both of those is my understanding. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh what else oh um your shots don't have ammo but they do draw from your mana pool and your mana pool fires both types of your shots and your levitation power um uh, which is super interesting especially early like uh, so you know you have three pieces of equipment you've got a piece of armor you know like a you know like in every br you have a piece a piece of armor that you can throw on uh you have a um uh an amulet that increases your mana and uh and boots that that make you move faster um and especially early especially when you haven't gotten a, a good amulet yet um the the mana restriction really kind of affects how how you play right like you know a missed shot is like a big deal if you miss a shot i feel like yep. um yeah i definitely i definitely agree with that i also think that it's neat because it ties some of these um mobility concerns into damage like you that because it's all drawing from the same mana pool you kind of have to make the choice do i want to hover do i want to use levitate or do i want to fire right because I, right. I can't do both simultaneously which i just think is like a fascinating and really cool design choice you know what? and this this also affects the the third thing that i forgot is that there's there are rarities on these things called runes which are basically kind of like utility spells which um charge up at, at intervals and have some different mechanics with them but like it affects that too right there is a flight rune which lets you fly for a while makes you fly fast it's hard to bang so it's not exactly the most combat friendly thing um, but like that's a choice you can make. It's better for like traversing the map versus um, something like Featherfall or Spring Step, which are like the Featherfall is a long hop with a slow, a slow fall, which you know, and it it's it's fascinating. Like all of these runes have different uses, um, and they all feel like they have their spot, right? Like you like for a while, and when I started playing, I thought that teleportation was just kind of obviously the best room. They did nerf it a little bit. They made the the actual teleportation um, a little bit slower to to go off, um, but like. Um, they all offer various forms of mobility, or, or with the one exception of uh, your favorite, the um, it's like the wolf's call or something. Or it's, it's, yeah, it's, the wolf's blood. Holy shit, was that so good? Yeah. So there. So just to explain what this rune does, you use it and it highlights in red all enemies nearby. By the way, this does include like the NPC enemies, of which there are in the in the Dominion mode there are a lot. In the BR mode there are only they only spawn in certain like locations and under certain certain circumstances. Um, but being able it's wall hacks basically, right? Like being able to track the movement of players as they're trying to like juke you behind walls and stuff like that is so huge and so useful. Though I think the real thing that actually made um that made wolf blood so good is that i had two charges of it because i was playing conduit at the time which lets you generate an extra charge by using the sorcery which basically meant that i could have 100 percent uptime on it um 
where and I, and I think that like that's also like a really neat kind of consideration, right? That like with certain classes and specs, you know, you have you have different kinds of considerations. Yeah, I mean, this is I think part of what makes it great too is there's like a lot of like inter- interchangeable parts that you can switch to like. Yeah. Like you build, which you know, we were talking about this last week with Outriders, how like you know things feel very constrained in some ways. Like, um, and on top of all of this, you get three passive skills that you can swap, and you have to unlock them by leveling up the the gauntlets. But one of them is gives you an extra charge in your rune. Um, and there's a, actually a pretty decent system there, right? You have, you have three passives, and you have seven total points to play with to build it. But you can also, you know, give up one of them to save the point, um, which is super neat. Um. It's uh, it's you know, it's 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 it's, it's got it's got a lot of oomph to it. Um, uh, what else? To, oh, and the the other thing too, just to, to go back to the wolf's blood thing real quick. I think a big part of it too was that we were so um, right before we switched over to Dominion, since Dominion's five people and BR's max three people per team. Um, we had we we won a game, which is great. It was uh, friend of the cast, Monica, and us too. And I think part of the thing that 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 Wolfsblood really worked well for there is it let us get the drop on enemies, right? Like people that weren't aware of us, we could just go attack, which is um, super important in a lot of BRs and very important in this one. So, so one of the things, and this will wind into the to to why I think why I like this game, is, and a lot of time in the shooter BRs, especially in something like Warzone, it comes down to who shoots first, right? Like mm. especially in Warzone, less so I think in PUBG and Apex. Time Apex. to kill is so short, right? Yeah. Like it's very lethal gunplay. So obviously, if somebody has a, a second on somebody else, that's it. That's yeah. GG, right? Yeah, and and the and you know the weapons are hit scan, almost yeah. like like nothing except for maybe conduit is hit scan, and it's still like you know relatively high skill aiming right like you don't have like you know the kind of like aim down sights and like drill shots into people thing that you do in uh there's also no headshots or anything along those kinds of lines um which i think people would probably take some issue with if you're a player who is like you know like modic our friend is very good at at these sorts of shooter games and he's hitting headshots all the time um but i think it makes the game much better um, yeah because it makes mid-range altercations more kind of like accessible and predictable damage wise right you never really have to contend with a big spike of damage you generally understand based on the ability type that they're using right like how much damage is incoming at any individual moment right like the conduit is rapid fire very fast shots that don't do a ton of damage the same thing sort of with the wind shots whereas the you know the earth ground pound that does a lot of damage but you have a, a big ability to dodge it etc right i think that kind of predictability is very good overall um and helps the and helps the game quite a lot compared to something like you know uh pubg or Warzone, where being able to get those headshots to really like wipe somebody out right off the bat is I, I think it's satisfying on one end, but it's frustrating on the other. Yeah, because it doesn't feel like you've got a lot of uh, counterplay. Which, like, the engagements yeah. in this game are drawn out enough that you feel like you've got a real ability to kind of recover from being ambushed. Although, you know, it obviously does give you a big disadvantage. I, just on that headshot thing, the only thing, that the, like, it also doesn't like just fit the model of the game. Like, maybe for um, uh, for the ice gauntlet, it would make sense because that kind of gives you a zoom and it's kind of like the sniper glove. Yeah. Um, but that's that's basically like, and I feel like I feel like you'd put that on as like a skill, on um, on like, like what does a headshot look like with you know the the shockwave ability? Yeah, you can't do that, right? Because it it just 
that's yeah. not how the ability works. Same thing with like a fireball, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially because the fireball is like built around being like slightly on the primary uh, gauntlet, you get like a slightly bigger AOE on it too. So, um, yeah. Um, that that all being like, I think it's super compelling. I think I think the individual abilities for all the primary gauntlets are really well done, right? Um, I think that a couple of the gloves just don't feel as good on the offhand, right? Like in particular, I was I would say that um, the wind gauntlet um, doesn't feel great on the offhand just because like there's nothing like super special about it's like it doesn't feel like the the the, the tornadoes bring a lot of utility without the kind of cool stuff you get from it. Um, from, uh... Oh, what? interesting. I kind of feel the opposite way, in a way. I thought... I had a couple of games where I was... have I had the Wind Gauntlet on my offhand, and I never used the main attack, and I only used it for the Tornado. Because I think the Tornado was... The, the Tornado's okay. really good. Um, partially because I was using the Conduit. So, oh, so, for a lot of my games, I was main hand, Conduit, offhand, whatever, right? And I think my favorite offhand might have been the Wind Gauntlet, just because... Pairing the tornado with the lightning strike is really strong, um, because the lightning strike takes a while to hit. But if I can hit somebody with a tornado, I, I kind of guarantee yeah. they're in that location, and then I and then I hit them with the lightning strike, and they're shocked for two seconds or whatever, right? Like that was kind of my that was kind of my um, I don't know thought process. I kind of had the feeling that the the offhand gauntlets were balanced a little bit around like the useful main hand the, the useful auto attack is like counterbalanced by a less useful sorcery for instance i think the ice sorcery is pretty not great but the attack is very good does that make sense yeah so Compared I, to the wind gauntlet i was actually gonna say that like the um uh the sorry the uh the the ice the ice offhand is my second least favorite offhand just because i like i guess the snipe is like the sniping is is a very kind of niche thing to do in this game right like you're generally not like pausing to line up shots in this game which is what the ice dance is all about and the kind of signature thing about the ice, um, about the uh, about the ice gauntlet is when you shoot down in your primary hand, at least behind an ice trail that you can skate on, um, and yeah. that doesn't happen. And um, it, that is very much at odds with its sorcery, which is a around you local AOE freeze, right? So like if you're gonna use this, yeah, point blank AOE. Yeah, I mean, I guess it like makes it, I get like you know versatile maybe, right? Because you can like you know if somebody's close, you you do that, and if they're far, you, you use a snipe. But like. Um. Yeah, I just, I just don't like it as much. Except in that, except I'm, unless I'm using the skill that make, gives me the level one ability on my offhand, which is ambidextrous. Um, yeah, I don't love the. I think the ice gauntlet might be one of the most disparate between yeah. the two, right? Because you have a sorcery that's very, you know, uh, close range, and a main that's very long range. And I don't, I don't think any of the other ones I would feel like. You know, with the firewall, with the with the uh, everything's like earth. very mid range. Otherwise, right? Yeah, everything's very mid range, and it also like complementary, right? right? Like it feels like the toxic clouds complement the toxic main hand. It feels like the lightning main hand complements the lightning sorcery, right? Um, which I did, I guess I don't feel that way about about frost. Though I do think that I I like the I did like using the frost in my offhand specifically because like. There, if I wasn't conduit on my main hand, having a long range attack I thought was very good. Like there were, there was one on on both of the games that I played as toxicologist main hand and Earth main hand. I took 
Frost on my offhand because I felt like I didn't have any long range capability and I wanted to be able to like, I don't know, fight people further out than whatever. Uh, see, with I I like pairing, uh, I like pairing if I'm going to in his tox on the offhand just to be like the ultimate kind of close range bruiser. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I And I do think that that's a valid choice. In a certain sense, it's kind of like, do you want to be an all-around build, right, that has options for both long-range and close-range engagements? Or do you want to specialize, right, where it's like, I'm going to kick the fuck out of you if I can get close? Yeah. I, that's, you know, that's fair, right? <laughs> I, I think part of it, too, is that, like, the offhand is very, like, the offhand ice is very long-range, but, like, Aiming shots in this game is, I feel, a little fiddly just because, like, you've got travel time with the projectiles and everybody, and the game's so mobile, right? Like, it's, it's I think, a little harder to, to pull it off effectively, right? Like, um, the the conduit also has very long range on it, right? Like, and it, and it's it's yeah. a flat, it's a flat yeah, shot. Yeah, I don't think so. I ever picked up the the frost gauntlet with my conduit when I was conduit making. Yeah, but I, I think like like that's a almost a better like it, it's a more practical long range option, um, for like. Uh, for, for, like, you know, casual use, if that makes sense, right? Like, if, I guess I agree with that, yeah. Especially because, like, uh, your offhand is probably going to be something that you are not super invested in in the same way. Right. Where, and the, the conduit offhand, I don't think the conduit offhand does any damage. I also think this is my problem with the main attack on the wind. It just feels like you're plinking for, like, four yeah. damage a hit, and it's just like that does nothing. And when you have conduit on your main hand, every consecutive cast does more damage than the than the previous one so you do get to a point where you know it's like if you're if you're going blast 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 it's getting more powerful over time but that doesn't happen obviously if if you have conduit on your offhand um whereas the ice the ice gauntlet does it, it feels know, like it's for a chunk a yeah amount of damage but i i think i i think i do generally agree with you i had i had honestly most the the big thing that was really determining what i did on my offhand was um was the sorcery thinking about it right like i like taking the wind sorcery i like taking boulder fist not boulder fist whatever it's called boulder stone shaper smash so yeah the stone shaper one right like i think i think mostly what i was thinking about is i was thinking about okay what are the sorcery what sorcery Mm -hmm. do i want to pair with my main hand right you know for instance when i was toxicologist i wanted fire because i want to i don't know how to play toxicologist without fire in the other hand right or even you know fire without toxicologist the other hand it just feels so good to put the toxic cloud down and then immediately blow it up in a huge gigantic nuke yeah so this is actually an interesting thing is that there are combos in the game um and i feel like none of them work as crisply or as or feel as good as fire and toxic which is clearly like the one they came up with and then built everything else or at least that's what it feels like to me right like I do like lightning with other things. I like lightning with the boulder one because the boulder one obviously right, like, that, stuns the person for a second. You know? But but that's not so like those are good like combos, but they're not like true. It's not like they have like this special interaction. Oh right. sure, I do think the lightning and tornado do have a special interaction, but that's not the reason I'm doing it. The reason I'm doing it is to put somebody in a is to lock somebody in place and then call the lightning down on top of them. I'm not trying to create the lightning yeah. tornado. So, so so my 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 kind of experience with the tornadoes is that like put like throwing something into the tornado like you can do it with toxic or with fire or with lightning is it doesn't do a ton of damage, which is mm-hmm. fine, but it's mostly just kind of like to like put a little bit of oomph on it, which doesn't like the 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 thing that feels most satisfying about wind the, the wind tornado is if you do you can do a triple combo is you can put like fire or toxic on the tornado and if you then use the other of the fire or the toxic it'll blow the tornado up and that that does a shit ton of damage like an absolute monstrous amount of damage so that's cool but like 
Um, yeah, I also just feel like there what there are not a lot of CC options in the game, right? Yeah. Even like shocked, right? Like shocked, you can still move, you just can't act. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't actually. Does the boulder stun you? I got the sense that it did because it seemed like when I hit people with the boulder, they stood still for a second. But uh, I don't actually. I can't confirm that. I don't. I don't know think that it I does. ever got hit by a boulder. Um. Okay. Yeah. The only thing that really stops you is frozen, and frozen requires you to be stand like standing in the thing. For oh a while. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I, I, I think that was that was good. I did get frozen once. One of the interesting interactions is that Dominion is point-based, right? Yeah. Um, which makes this stuff much easier to deal with because you have a very clear place to throw your spells, right? If you are assaulting a point and you want to get defenders off the point, you dump your toxic on the point so that they have to run out of it, right? Or you run in and you drop your ice cloud or you bring down your lightning on the point, right? Um, the, the BR mode doesn't have those sorts of options, right? The, the combat is much more, like, fluid. fluid yeah. Uh, which made me feel like certain abilities were better in BR for that reason, right? Um, so, for instance, I thought the boulder was better in BR and I thought um, uh, the, the, the firewall was better in BR and I thought the tornado was better in BR just because, like, those have... They, they are less about, you know, like, aiming onto a specific location to get a hit. If I if I do the lightning and I whiff, that really sucks. But I feel like the the other ones, it, it is less of an issue. Yeah. No, I, I think I generally agree with you. I think, I think that wind's just a little bit underpowered in the Dominion mode in the first place just because, like, I feel like you're trying to dump out so much damage, right? Like, the, the utility isn't as, as useful because there's not as much room to maneuver around in and, like... Or, and, you know, there is in some ways, but, like, you're also, like, trying to stay on the points as opposed to be are just trying to kind of fight. Um, actually, I, I kind of want to say that I don't think I really, like, the more I play, or after we played that, that session of Dominion, I don't think I like the Dominion mode so much. Like, I could... Really? Interesting. I, part of it is just, like, I just don't think it's, like, super well balanced, right? Like, I could feel it, like, slowly creeping towards that kind of, prop, like, you know, that kind of, like, toxicity I felt with WoW. Right, like like the yeah, like, like the meta game problem. I, yeah. I get that for sure. I the, absolutely felt that. We 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 did one match where we faced up against an entire team that took the rebirth talent, and I wanted to pull my hair out because I felt like I there's just actually, and I I think I would have gone to bat and I would have said I don't want the rebirth talent. I want the you know I want the whatever it is. But just fighting a group of people who were clearly mildly coordinated right that you had to kill twice in order to like gain any ground was just like incredibly aggravating yeah no i i i think that's i think that's like and i think that those things like started shining through the more we played of it is like the like the meta because it's not super balanced around dominion the meta is a little bit more rigid around it and that kind of takes away a lot of the the joy i can feel myself getting into the kind of like you know places i i used to where like you know i'd be kind of getting mad about like, starting to get mad about things, about, like, you know, playing me is like, I don't know if I want this, right? Like, I don't know if yeah, this is worth sure. it. Like, like the competitive, you know, I always talk about this with, like, League and with StarCraft, right? Where when you win, it doesn't feel satisfying. It feels like you just, like, kick the shit out of a bunch of, you know, toddlers. But when you lose, it's like you had no, it's like you were matched against the best players in the world. And there was nothing you could fucking do. And it just fucking sucks. And I'm just mad at all my teammates because they're not good. And they should have gone to Moon when I told them to go to Sun. You know what I mean? Whatever. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, and, and I actually think that this kind of, like, we've talked about, like, why the BRs were such a breath of fresh air when we started playing them yeah. out of out of this. I think this is, like, got the, the, the real kind of, like, idea here is 
when you start to lose in a PR, you're out, right? Like you're done. Mm-hmm. And there's not like, you know, in some, like we, we held our own pretty well in Dominion, but like, if, you know, this is, this is almost like kind of like a Rathy Basin too, like in, in WoW, right? Because this is essentially the same mode. You, you commented on this. But it's like, you know, yeah. you get so far ahead that it's kind of like, why even bother, right? Like at least in WoW, like you can farm honor or something, which has some like extrinsic reward thing. But like, and it's just kind of like, well, I guess we're going to throw ourselves at the enemy team for another 20 minutes while we wait for their score to tick up, right? Yeah, like, I also just think that there's a visceral fun in the BR mode to certain systems that wasn't there in Dominion, like in the the acquiring stuff. I mean, like, you know, in Arathi Basin, for instance, there's there's a fun to Arathi Basin that is just, I run in and I blade storm on this guy's face and he fucking dies, right? And there's a fun to the BR mode that is finding cool loot level you know picking up special items that i'm like oh this is this is this is like neat and those are those are like instances of fun that are outside of the the competition right like they're 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 a part of the competition but the thing that's fun about blade storming on someone's face until they die is blade storming on someone's face until they die i could be winning or losing and do that right and the fun of picking up that loot in the br mode is not necessarily really relate that like that's completely unrelated to am i winning or losing am I going to finish first or third, right? Like, it is just, I open the chest and a big green thing pops out that I want, right? Um, and I don't, and I didn't feel that Dominion had that. Dominion only had the joy of winning and losing. Maybe a little bit of, like, you know, pulling off... You know, like, some something that really kept me in league in this way was doing technically complex things that just make you feel like you owned the shit out of somebody, right? 1v1-ing somebody in lane and killing them. That's a satisfying thing outside of the context of are we winning or losing the game as a whole, right? But I I didn't get that feeling as much in Dominion. There were a couple of times where I was like, oh, I'm sneaking up on this guy, I drop Toxic, immediately ignite the Toxic, and I blow their whole team to hell. That feels okay, but that was a very rare occurrence compared to yeah. just the ambient fun that I find in other places in these kind of competitive match modes. You know, so in, in the BR part, I felt, so I, so I, I think I can put a, a little bit of a finger on this, right? Like mm-hmm. in like the fights in BR mode feel like kind of like almost like f- mini fighting game matches contained within like, you know, uh, the, the larger BR, right? Like it feels like there's a lot of back and forth. It feels like when you're one-on-one-ing something, you're, you're really kind of, you know, beating them directly right and like yeah sometimes you get third party but or you third party somebody else but that's uh, a kind of like a strategic thing that's a little bit different in dominion it feels like you know you're pinned if you're trying to capture the circle you're pinned to it so you feel like restricted in that way and you know coming in because like you know every second i'm not we don't have points in the second that we're ticking down um and on top of that like given enough distance everybody kind of resets in the BR mode, right? Like you go find uh, yourself uh, like, you know, uh, uh, heal potions or armor potions, right? And you get yourself healed up. It's very easy to not be at full strength in um, in the Dominion mode. And on top of that, it's also very easy to like not have the same upgrade pass or opportunity. Like something I didn't really like about the Dominion is that like instead of having your three pieces of equipment, you, you got the opportunity to kind of like upgrade them you know, with, like, individual pieces, and, like, I didn't have a good sense of, like, how those individually worked, and I, like, it, it, I, I don't know, I just don't, I didn't like the kind of, like, piecemeal upgrade 
you know, you know, oh, you know, because it, it feels like the right thing there to do is to figure out what the optimal path is for, like, when you pick a speed, when you pick a speed upgrade, when you pick a, an armor upgrade, when you pick a man upgrade, and just follow that kind of route, which, you know, again, this kind of, like, Metalock thing that we were talking about earlier that just didn't feel great. Um, yeah, I mean, on one hand, I do think there is a, so there's something enjoying it, like, that, that I can enjoy about that in, in the sense of creating these builds, right? Like, um, something I realized pretty quickly is that only one speed upgrade is good in Dominion. I thought any, I, I once took two speed upgrades and I was just sitting there and I was realizing, I was like, I don't spend enough time running around on the ground for this to matter. I think one of them is useful because like, you know, just, just a little bit of extra speed will be, will help you dodge things or whatever. But most of my time is going to be spent floating in midair, and what I want for that is armor and mana. And there is, like, there's something that I find satisfying about coming to that conclusion, right? Where you are deciphering kind of the arcane interactions of the game systems, right? Like, this is the same sort of thing that makes it fun to, like, you know, I say with my Mythic Plus team, we, ha we, have, like a, we have, like, a joke, like, nothing matters. Because no matter what legendary I'm running, no matter what build I'm running... I basically do about the same amount of damage, right? The game is remarkably well-balanced in, in practical terms, and really you can do whatever you want. But there is something fun about saying, oh, I'm going to pick up this legendary, and then I'm going to reevaluate my talents and my conduits and my whatever else to try and make this legendary as good as it can. That's a fun thing. And I do think that that is a fun thing to do in Spellbreak. Um, but I just kind of felt like Dominion was too... First of all, too random... And second of all, too quick for me to like make those kinds of real considerations. Um, like something something that works in the BR mode is getting a chest and like you know a fire gauntlet pops out and you have a wind gauntlet and you want the wind gauntlet but the fire gauntlet is one rarity higher. You know, like yeah. you get you get you get a moment to sort of make those kinds of decisions i just felt like the, the in dominion i did not have that moment and um and the choices were so constrained that i rarely felt like i had a real sort of choice about what i you know what i wanted to to do at any individual you know break point so yeah i agree with that i i, I think that's i think that's about right right there's just like not the, the same type of ability to uh to to kind of like like you you can't just search for stuff in Dominion right like you have to either you have to be like taking points or killing enemies or maybe killing the the little guys I also I don't know I feel like the PVE enemies are like not great in either mode and I can see them improving that but I just think that like you don't really have the time to engage with them in the Dominion mode which is I think where they make the most sense right you can like pull a little bit more loot off of them they're kind of like jungle mobs in 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 League. Um, mm. In the BR mode, they're just kind of like annoying, right? Like, um, and so it's not. A I actually like them quite a bit in Dominion mode. I think that they're very well designed in Dominion mode. And I spent a lot of my time. One of the things I was doing was if I got behind, um, I would spend some time killing the little guys. Uh, specifically because you can level up the gauntlets such that you basically one shot them. Um, sure. And you just kill the little guys. You get a couple scrolls. You, you kind of like look around for some items. And I think that that is a neat way to kind of like catch up in the Dominion mode. In the BR mode, I really honestly don't see their purpose. Yeah, so at least, at least not in the way they're currently implemented. Yeah. So the part of the problem is, is they don't consistently come out. The, the best thing, therefore, is like for farming the small kind of heals. 
and uh, shards, um, which you can find in yeah, the like I too. kind of wish that they were more. I I almost sort of want a BR that has a little bit of this PVE element in it, right? Where it's like maybe after the first circle, maybe not at the very start of the game, but like minions will spawn in locations according to the loot in that location, right? So if you want to go into the castle, it's not just sitting there. You're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to kill some stuff. You're going to take some chip damage, right? right? I think that would actually be pretty good, pretty okay design. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a game designer, obviously, um, on, on these titles, so I can't actually make that determination, but I really just did not love the way that they came out in that. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> For the listeners at home, Mango's uh, green screen just fell over, so that's fun. Anyway, um, so yeah, I did not love their implementation in in the BR Mana Vault thing either. Maybe if it was 100% of the time, I would like it more. So it's like something that I know I'm going to have to deal with and I want to like kind of prepare myself for. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think that like... Yeah, I, I think part of it's like the the inconsistency, like you like you're pointing out here. But yeah, I just, I just, I just don't, I just don't think they have, like they're not like worth killing except for like in the like they're they're kind of actually kind of dangerous in the early game, right? Like if someone pops a vault and they pop, show up and then there's another team nearby, it's actually kind of you know you you might be screwed by like the uh, by that interaction. But the fact that that's random also feels like. Would, it would be frustrating if that managed to kill me, like, an early game once, mm-hmm. right? Like, Sure, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think, I think, think if they actually just made them show up every time, it'd be a lot better in that case, right? Because, like, then you have, you yeah. know, like, someone's landing near us. If we pop it, we're putting ourselves at risk by exposing ourselves to the the little guys, right? Like, um, Or, and I, I, I think the, the underappreciated version of this is chip damage. Which is just, like, small instances of damage that you kind of take. One of the things I noticed about Spell Break is that chip damage is much worse in this game than it is in other games, right? If you come out of uh, an altercation, even if you come out of on top, it is much harder to get back to full health yeah. um, and armor compared to compared to some of the other games. You have these limited inventory slots. You're, you're not necessarily going to be able to carry all the health pots. It takes a while, you know? It's going to take you 10... 20 seconds to sit there and consume all the armor shards all the all the health pots which i do think is actually really interesting and compelling um yeah. because there's a certain you know like one of the one of the things that that wow designers talk about is the presence of a healer means that between every encounter the the party is topped off right so like there aren't a ton of scenarios where they can challenge long-term kind of like damage over time outside of sort of like a raid environment right um and i think that kind of applies here if that makes sense where part of what makes it interesting is you come out of a fight with somebody and you are at 15 health and it's gonna and it is a real it's 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 not guaranteed that you're gonna top yourself back off you might have to go into your next fight with 75 health and no armor or 75 health and half armor um, just because you expended that those resources in the first fight, which I think is neat and interesting. Yeah, no, and you're definitely scrounging around for healing after every fight. Um, yeah, um, and I think I think the other part of this is interesting too. Is like I've at least found that I'm picking up, um, like I'm I'm you know picking up a variety of different like sometimes I'm picking up a bunch of the small heals because they pop so much faster, right? Like you can you can swallow them down in two and seconds. And you can use them in combat. That's a huge yeah. thing. That was different. I don't think I've ever popped a healing ability in any BR in combat. 
uh, but I was really frequently doing it in Spellbreak because first of all, it's not punishing. Um, the the time tends to be lower, right? Like it it scales, right? So obviously, if you take a big healing potion, that takes six seconds, I think. Um, but like the little shards, those are just like two seconds each. And second of all, you can move, which is so huge. Being able to drink and move so that you can like LOS the person and kind of tuck behind a wall. And you know that they're going to keep trying to like get in range of you or whatever, but you can kind of like dodge out of the way as you're waiting for your cooldowns and stuff like that. I think it's perfect. I loved that aspect. Yeah. And, and you know, encourage you to maybe be holding some of those smaller shards, right? Like, you know, you don't yep. need to have, the, you're not always just carrying the biggest thing. Um, How did you feel about the big potions? I I, I know that there were legendary. Uh, oh, there's just there were legend. There's legendary the, the, the and there's epic and the knowledge potion. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. those. So there's two types of safeguards, um, which are just basically heal both armor and and health. Um, I found those to be good for like inter inter like your uh, between fights. Like I would never like those don't pop well, especially because like weirdly because of the, you know it takes off health uh, skills and then it takes off health right i always found like or I, I often found that there wasn't necessarily a good opportunity for me to to use one that would get full usage out of all of it, especially for the the legendary ones like at the end of a of the drawn out fight they were useful but like mid combat right you're probably low on shields and pretty high on health so you don't want to pop like something like that the knowledge potions yeah, sure. i always found were kind of like i almost always would use them immediately when i got them because like it's a, I don't understand their purpose. I have to say, like, well, they give, they give you more charges on their sorceries and your runes. No, that's that's my point, right? Like, I guess you are just supposed to pop them immediately. I don't know who would hold on to that. That does yeah. not seem smart so, in so, any situation. Theoretically, I think it's useful to like if you know if you if you see a fight coming and you want to pop it, but it's also not worth the slot. I think this is also the big problem with one of the talents, which is like you can hold extra runes or gauntlets in your inventory it's like it's not worth the slot right like yep. um and the, like like i played a couple rounds with the gauntlet one just because i was like oh i like having like a powerful offhand um when when i'm playing wind so maybe i'll try like switching around it's like you put the sorcery on cooldown when you swap them uh and so like you you know if you use a sorcery and then immediately swap gauntlets like maybe it makes sense but like i just didn't think it was ever worth the um the slot that you took up that you, you know that you that you weren't Holding another healing or healing item in it, um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, for sure. But yeah, um, but like like you were saying, I, I do think like you know the 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 timing dynamic is super important and super integral to like making this compelling, right? Like if you're dueling someone, it's really hard to get a heal off, especially if it's a bigger one. But if you're in like a either um, the you know a squad fight or um or you know a, a multi team fight, like being able to hide like. Um, uh, the games I've played with Monarch, the number of times where, like, you know, a third party, third team comes in, and, like, you know, my kind of, like, downed corpse is able to slink away, and, you know, then, then uh, you know, he can, we can go hide behind a wall, and I can get rezzed, and we can, like, fight again. We're, we're great. That's actually... That's true. That is also something I have never done in any other BR, ever. <laughs> like... So, so this is actually an interesting thing, is the way you go, like, there, there are a couple things here. Um... Uh, in like most of the other BRs, you have a down but not out state um, that can be rezzed. But interest, I think this is super super key actually. Is when you're down, you can't be shot to death. Like you have somebody has to walk up to you and effectively do an execute move on you, which I think is super key to like making it hard, like to to kind of the mechanics of the game. It's actually fairly easy to also bring people back. Like if you go down down, then your team member can enter the next circle and spend ten seconds like just like 
dancing in anywhere and uh, it, it'll bring you back which I think is um, interesting you said of mechanics like it really emphasizes like you need to take I down I think all of those squad. are really good I think going down and then getting shot out is one of the worst parts of PUBG or you know like any of those BRs where you can go down and then you're in that kind of crawl state and it's like I wonder what percent maybe 50% of the time 60% of the time they just follow up and shoot the shit out of you until you are dead dead right and like so sometimes in the midst of, of like a big firefight you can get out of it but I do think it, it sort of forces you to do a real full team wipe in order to like definitively win a combat right you because like you know i tried doing this i thought it might be smart to exile people in combat it was not it literally got me killed right like you really it does not feel like you you can take a second to exile someone's teammate um in the middle of the in the middle of the combat so if you are fighting somebody you have to kill all of them or none of the or or they will like pick themselves back up which i think is actually really good i think that that's good and a fun interaction and a great way to kind of like structure the game because you don't sit in these situations where it's like the per the the one person who's good sits up front and is doing all the stuff and is like you know winning everything and you're just dead and like riding in their ear for 20 minutes right um I don't know. I just think that that, that interaction is really sweet. Um, yeah, no, and on top of that, I actually think it's, it's like, you can use it strategically, too. Like, I, there were many times when I would go to exile someone to try and draw their partner out so that we could uh, yeah. uh, so, so we could fight them, right? Because it's, it's, it's obviously a very good I actually think that they could do a little bit more, like, you know, um, when you're being exiled, just, like, pop up and it's, like, your teammates being exiled or something like that. Like, obviously, it worked well for us, at least because like we were on voice comms, but uh, if I wasn't on voice comms, I, I feel like like you, know, you wouldn't necessarily know that your teammates being exiled. Um, but I think I yeah, I think that'll come with time, right? It's still kind of like it's not. I think it's technically out of early access, but it's still kind of like a like a, a title in development is what I, is the way I feel about it. Yeah, um, sure. But I like like you said, I think it's I think it's super good. Like a, it 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 makes the the kind of it, it kind of like work out a lot better like part of it too is that like you can't like because it's not a true it's not like a shooter um the cover is a little bit less stark right like um warzone pubg even apex right you're in and out of buildings so like if you didn't ha if you had to like approach someone to uh to 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 to, to down down them in in those games i think it'd be a little too easy to like just get in cover and go res someone because you can't traverse the distance fast enough, and uh, and the person's it's too easy to get like very to to become very well um well covered in those games. Whereas uh, yeah, I think that that's that's definitely a consideration because the the engagements in those games are are much longer, right? Um, yeah, there's so much less very long range sniping going on. The only thing you can really do it with is the conduit gauntlet, and even then, you know, like that thing just plinks, you know, just yeah. tiny amounts of damage. I actually, I, I was trying to figure out if there was damage fall off or not, and I have no idea. I, I, th I think there are for some of the gauntlets. Like I think, okay. I, I, I think, uh, like I mean, I think. Well, part of it is that like the the toxic gauntlet like spreads, so like if you get and it disappears relatively quickly. So if you get far off, like you know, if the damage falls, then you're not getting as hit by by as many uh, uh droplets, but um. Uh, but yeah, and, and to to that point too, like um, I think I think Apex actually solves this problem as best as it can in the 
um, kind of in the shooter space and giving you those 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 down shields that you can point in the direction of the person shooting at you. Like, I think that's probably the right balance for a shooter style game. Um, uh, otherwise, I don't, like it's it's just like it's just you you're too hampered when you're down to like really get into it. Like, it, it it's, an, it's an interesting problem. And I think that either you have to go the apex route or this route, and I don't think that this yeah. this route's really reasonable for a lot of shooter shooters. Cause, yeah, maybe that's definitely that's definitely fair. Um, how did you feel about the circles and the leveling up nature? How, how did is that something that I don't know? What, what are your thoughts on that mechanic? We haven't talked about it yet. Yeah, so so just for the folks at home, so if you don't know or because you know, just to, to lay it out is as the circle closes and you pass to the next circle, you get abilities that level up. I think it's an interesting way to make the fights dynamic. I'm not so sure I'm enamored with this particular me mechanic right like whether or not you've managed to cross the boundary seems kind of arbitrary like it's never made a difference to me but i would hate it if like i lost a fight because somebody happened to be inside the circle i couldn't cross the border to pick up the next ability um yeah i feel like it is mostly an excuse to space the leveling out yeah in dominion mode it's just a, a function of time right, right? And the circle is also a function of time, so hey, let's just make it so you cross the circle, you do the thing. And I feel like it was sort of made for those reasons, but I do think that there are some interesting kind of gameplay... Uh, implications? Implications, yeah. For instance, I was definitely more keen on moving to the circle in this than I am in most other games, right? Like, in PUBG, you kind of learn not to go into the circle in a way. Like, you want to hang on the edge of the circle for, for as long as possible. Or at least that was what we were doing when we were playing, mm -hmm. you know, three years ago. Um, but this really made me want a beeline. Like, I kept wanting the beeline straight into the circle as soon as the next circle spawned because I wanted to, like, level up and get my next thing. Part of it is, I, I wonder if if I played more and I would think about the different abilities in a more complex way, I would, I would maybe have, you know, like w in one direction or another, I would have sort of preferences. Right. Um, I don't think I played enough to have a good sense of what are my power spikes. Right. Whereas in something like league, right. Like I, I, in, I intensely understand the power spikes of my individual champions, right? Like, maybe I, I spike at 6, maybe I spike at 9, maybe I spike at, you know, 13 or whatever, right? Um, in this, I don't know, I, I don't have a good sense for where most of my power is coming or, like, what is, what is the thing I'm most looking forward to being able to do? I mostly just want to do more things. So, um every circle felt good if that makes sense it does it does um and i like I, I like i said i think it gives good variety to the to the to the match itself like it like intra match stuff is like the the um the like the the individual fights play out a little bit differently be at, per circle just because the abilities are changing up in a very highly visible way um i think that's i think it's very clever clever design i just like I think like the the part about going through the circle to do is just like like you said, just kind of a way to to kind of f force it and space it out. I also think it makes some of the like like there's a there's an ability that gives you a little bit of speed. This is in the second column, and uh, every time you read a body scroll, you level up, which lets you level up early, right? And there's a couple of abilities that are like very clearly have strong early game, um, uh, strong strong early game power. Um, but I also fa find that that kind of thing is like a little too random to even be like, 
super worthwhile. Like I, I think I think there are some clear winners and losers in the secondary ability space. Um, that around like kind of like these these different level up mechanics, which feel like I don't want to say they're half baked, but I feel like they're all like three quarters baked, right? Like there's like um, like it's not perfect. It's pretty good, but it's not perfect. And it's fine because like there's enough kind of mixing and matching you can do to make it all kind of worth it, but like or and to make everything feel like approximately okay, but I, I don't I don't think it's 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 anywhere uh near being um near being like 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 you know perfectly beautiful or whatever, right? Like like I would fully expect that, you know, if this thing blew up and we got like, you know, you know, a, a riot equivalent team like you know, iterating on the balance for these, like, you know, like Fortnite gets or uh, even Apex gets, um, those, these wrinkles would be smoothed over. But I, 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 I think that's like, you know, as long as you don't pick the traps, you're, you're, you're pretty good for now, which is, I think, good enough for, for, for what this game is. What are the, what are the, what are some of the traps, do you think? Um, so I, I think that, like, like I said, I think that the one that levels you up as, as you get body scrolls is a trap because you can't reliably get body scrolls, right? Like, and also, okay. like, as you get to towards the end of the end game, it's not as useful. Um, are there different kinds of scrolls that are better than others? So there's just three types, right? There's one for each set of passives, right? There's like mental scrolls, spirit scrolls, and body scrolls. Um, and they just level okay. up one of, so those three passives you have, have three levels to, or have four levels to them. They've got their base level and then the three upgrades. So you need to get three of each to get to full capacity on all of them, right? Like, um, like you, okay. You I felt like I got a lot of mind scrolls, but not a lot of body scrolls. But is that just random? That's I random. Thought, I felt like yeah. that was yeah. Okay. I, 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 all right, cool. I thought for a second that maybe it was like it gives you a certain number of, or a certain kind of scroll by by default or whatever, which would be a little bit you know, like that would obviously be a little bit strange. But I figured that was just uh, that was just random. Uh, um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to the gauntlets, do you, like, what... Do, first of all, do you know if they have added gauntlets or if they have just had these ones? Um, so I don't remember um, uh, uh, if... Uh, I don't remember, if, like, when I was playing back in the pre-alpha, if there were any more, but um, I don't think they've added any in a while if they if they have. Um, but there's, like, there's obviously, I think, room to expand on them, right? Or, like, room to, like, do things like swap out um sorceries or something or swap out the like you know the way the uh the individual projectiles work i think that that could be interesting mm -hmm. uh. yeah i definitely get that um i also do wonder what i think like what i would want to see expanded on right like if i were to add a new class to the game what is the game missing right now that i would like to see you know another like another thing like what is a new element that they could add that would that would be really interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I don't know if I can think, like, part of it is that I don't think that they're, like, they, the ability space is, like, fully f fleshed out. Like, I, I, I don't, what would be a, a common thing, right? Like, we've got, like, this, the kind of, like, four classical elements plus wind plus, I mean, I guess earth usually gets broken out into uh, into acid and uh, and earth, which we've got both of already. So maybe like you maybe you could maybe do a, a water like a true water, not ice. Yeah, yeah, true water, not or ice. Like you could hose. I don't I don't know what that would look like. Yeah, I mean, it's a part of, like like a like a, a blast that like knocks people back, right? Like that has like a knockback, mm -hmm. but I don't know how useful that would be. Um, 
I actually wonder if that would be an interesting thing, you know, because one of the things we talked about um, was the ability to create, like, you could shock someone by shooting water that they're in right. with lightning. Um, but that's not something that exists in, in the current iteration of the game, right? Like, it's not like I can douse you with a hose and then shock you with my conduit. But I feel like that that would actually be pretty interesting. If yeah. You could set something kind of like that up. You can kind of do that with the ice paths from the from the frost. But, like, that's, like, so niche that it's, like, super hard to, to pull yeah. off. Yeah, but, yeah. Maybe that kind of on-demand shock, though, would be bad for the game. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you probably would, you probably want to, like, you know, have it leave a puddle on the ground and be able to shock, shock the puddle on the ground. Just, like, make it a little bit more controllable than the ice thing, which is... Yeah. Um, I do sort of like the idea of, like, different sort of soak conditions, right? Like, imagine a thing where there's a water gauntlet and you can fire a glob of water at somebody, splash, they are now soaked, which means they don't take fire damage or something like that, right? Like, you could... I, I think you could get into a couple of those sorts of conditional areas, which would be really, um... Which would be really neat, but also might ruin things, right? Like, imagine a world where if I get lit on fire and I have a water gauntlet, all I do is shoot the ground to soak myself, and immediately I'm not on fire anymore. Like, that's dumb. Uh, so I think that that... So, like, the fire doesn't last so long that I think that that'd actually be a problem, but I think that's actually good counterfeit, right? Like... The wind gauntlet can like knock down firewalls. There's like you can also do that like with with some of the yeah. Um, wow, I actually did not know that. This is like I I think so. I might my, my take is that the wind gauntlet's supposed to be like the high skill like not obviously good gauntlet. Sure. Um, which has like because it has a little like little counterplay mechanics. This has also got like the knockback stuff, but. The big thing I think about the wind gauntlet is you aim it at the ground and you can pop yourself up. Yeah, right? like yeah that's. That, I think that, I think that's very technical play, right? Obviously. That's that's but the obvious that one. Could, yeah, and actually yeah, that. I didn't know that you could. Now that I think about that, that makes it much better on the offhand too, because it's like kind of like a defensive offhand. Huh. Interesting. Because um, you get like. If you have the rank one of it, yeah, I guess. You that's... don't even need the rank one of it. You, I think it's just a property of the wind projectile. Like it's it's, it's elemental interactions. It knocks down firewalls, or it knocks down like it it uh. Yeah, I, th I think it. it uh, that's interesting. Fire. I, I, I think you could also for a long time, but I just never even tested if I could use it to bounce myself on the offhand. Well, you can't use it to bounce yourself, but you can use it. To, you can not use it to knock down firewalls and disperse toxic clouds. Oh, 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 oh. okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I that, I that is interesting. I feel like that that is you know kind of fair counterplay in a way. Yeah, um, but that's like kind of like the base elemental thing, right? Like which the water would be, which is like knock someone off a fire, uh, or like put puddles on the ground. I also think you could probably do something with like, with, with like the, the the traditional like zodiac elements, which is like would be like metal and wood would be the missing ones. Um, mm. You could do like a like a like a true wall rather than a firewall, right? Like something that actually blocks like a like I, I'd like to see some like, like maze ice wall in Overwatch or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to see like a couple more defensive powers, right? Like ones that are like a little bit. I wonder if that's antithetical to kind of like the hyper nature of the game, but I think it'd be neat. Um, no, I get that for sure. I think if I want, if I was designing the game, I might want to add that as a sorcery. I kind of wish one of the sorceries was like, um, you know, imagine a sorcery that creates a, a project, like creates a wall in front of you that you can just hold for a couple seconds. Um, not like a, maybe maybe sort of like a Reinhardt wall, right? But like you know, for three seconds, you can't shoot or anything, but you hold a thing that will take any incoming damage. And then it goes on cooldown for 20 seconds or something kind of along those lines. Yeah. I think that would be a really sweet sorcery to add to the game. And it would be something that I would be, like, really... Because one of the things I like about the offhand interactions is, like, 
like I said, I like shoring up, I guess, some of my like my weaknesses or whatever. And I could definitely see a, foresee a world where um, I feel like I'm weak to long range interactions, and I take that ability so that I can, you know, prevent myself from getting sniped down or something kind of along those lines. Yeah. No. I, so hmm. I think you need if you had like for like something something let's say like metal where like you would hold it up for like a short period of time. But it reflects things, and like maybe it only reflects the first ability, so you could counterplay it by like poking it with like a conduit spike, and like reflect sure, that. Which like is, the Genji, uh, like the Genji, ching 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 thing. In yeah, Overwatch. that or like or like the Yasuo wall, right? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah, the Yasuo wall would be sweet in this game because there are so many projectiles, and just being able to just negate. Yeah. Although I guess most of the sorceries aren't really projectiles; really, just the boulder is. But yeah, um, you can bend the boulder with the tornado, which is neat. Um, it's better defensively, like, but like something I want to, you know. Oh my god, I've never seen that, but it makes total sense, and that's fucking nuts. Yeah, no, and you know, it's like, on on you know, my 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 spellbreak bucket list is like use a tornado to bend a boulder into someone and like get the hit with that. Um, but you know, uh, it, it's obviously tough. Yeah, I felt the bo- the boulder was a zoning tool. I I don't think I ever really hit with it, but I used it quite a lot to. Um, I don't know. I guess I would say put people into tough positions. Uh, there was one time where I was playing the Stone Shaper, and I had a fire in my offhand, and I would wall, and then I would boulder to try and you know like they either get hit by the boulder or they run into the wall, right? Like those yeah. are the those are their options, sort of thing. I, th- I think it's good for like coming up and unsuspecting people, and also like you know driving yeah. somebody off of something, right? Like, like you said. I also think it becomes much better once you get accretion on the on your main hand, which like makes it. It gains size as it goes distance, so... Yeah, I, I think I only played one game of Stone Shaper in BR, um, so I don't know that I really saw accretion. Yeah. Uh, though we tended to do really good in the BR mode, to yeah. be honest with you. I was really surprised. We got top three, top five. We won a game. That you, yeah, there was one game where we came in, you guys were number one, and then I came in and I was like, okay, well, get prepared to fucking lose. And then we also got number... This is the Wolf's Blood game, actually. Yeah, yeah, um, That we also got number one in because... Uh, we were just, like, wrecking people, like, around around yeah. a Castle Bogbar, I guess it was. Um, that's, a, that's, that's another thing to talk about. Like, I think this map is, like, super interesting and, and varied. Um, and it's, like, I've had a good time, like, you know, like, depending on where the ending circle ends, you know, changes up, like, how things are going to feel, like, a lot. Which I think is very good. But it doesn't always end up as yeah. good as BRs. Yeah. I liked... I think I own... The only map I've ever played in any BR that I've really liked was the very first PUBG map, whatever that one was called. Um, and this map. All of the Apex maps I thought were, like, unmemorable. And I know, ne- You know, like, in the first PUBG map, I had a very good sense of where the what the different locations were like you know going to them you know and and the kinds of interactions that i was going to have there what does it mean to land in these houses versus to land at the school versus to land at wherever else right like um and i just never got that sense in any other maybe i just didn't play them enough because i only you know i played more PUBG probably than i played of any of the other ones but i like this map a lot and i i immediately understood right like depending on what location we're at like what are the kinds of interact like the fort was very vertical for instance um or you know you might uh you might have that like uh there's the one which is a a long castle with lots of chests but it's kind of in a valley sort of like on either side i just thought i just thought all that was really well designed yeah 
Yeah, no, and, and to your point, like, I, I think part of the thing with the other, like, for all being, like, you know, like, you know, Unity store assets that the first PUBG felt like, right? Like, the area still managed to feel distinct, whereas something like Warzone, it feels like the, a lot of the areas aren't, like, you know, the buildings are the same, as, but, like, they're, and they're arranged in kind of, like, very similar ways, and so it doesn't, like, the areas don't feel super distinct. Um, I think Apex... Apex, I think I disagree with you, and the areas don't feel the same. I just feel like the maps don't feel as big as they appear to, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like PUBG, I think part of it's the speed as well as the, um, uh, like, the, the speed of the, like, the kind of, like, you run at and that like, you go at that kind of, like, makes vehicles. Like, I feel like PUBG, the map, feels the biggest, even though it's probably not square mileage-wise. I think, like, Apex and, uh, and Warzone move too fast for it to feel right. Um, I think that's true. I also think that PUBG is smarter about its kind of copy-paste assets yeah. than PUBG was. Or, I'm sorry, than, than um, Warzone was. In Warzone, a lot of the buildings that I'm farming are very similar. But in PUBG, those buildings are not... It's not like that, right? Like, if I'm landing in a location, I'm typically landing on a unique location with, like, a unique set of buildings and a unique layout, right? Like, either at the docks or you know the military base or you know at the school or whatever else right the hospital those buildings are all unique but they are surrounded and they're kind of dot and, and the and the the traverses between these are dotted with a lot of copy paste buildings so i never really minded you know like when i'm moving from hospital to school because the circle is on school or whatever i never really minded like popping into these houses and just kind of or like going up the little wizard towers we called them right those were all copy paste assets but because they weren't like the big focal points in the same way warzone it felt like the big focal points were these like gigantic brutalist apartment buildings that all had the exact same layout and we were always landing on one and we were always farming it and always had the same layout and i that just felt shitty to me yeah um there are unique spots in that map to be clear right but i don't know there's just something about those specific apartment complexes that we just every map started with farming one of those it felt like that yeah i think was not great or like move to them very quickly i think part of that too is that like they also like are meta arranged very similarly right like something you know say what you will about PUBG, but like each area of the map even if they were a bunch of copy paste buildings they were at least arranged because they were probably arranged manually and kind of haphazardly they were like yep. they had a unique arrangement right and like sometimes they would do weird things like you know turn them in weird ways and back them up against weird geometry so they felt different whereas like you know in warzone every freestanding apartment building felt like every other freestanding apartment building um you know because of like the the, the clean on it um and i think this this game puts a lot of variety out there and the map still feels kind of small but i think that that's fine because the games i think it'll just feels a little bit more a little bit faster right like they are much faster yeah. i mean it took us a PUBG match i feel like it's like 30 to 40 minutes is like 20 minutes mm. tops like if you end the game in top two yeah that's a 20 minute game right like um which is good to be honest i think that uh i think that the gameplay would wear out much faster if it was slower um i think i agree yeah because the uh, the the progression is i i i actually think the progression is about the same but it is more aggressive so there is the same difference in other words there's the same difference between being a well-geared character in PUBG and a not well-geared character in in PUBG, right as there is a well-geared character and a not well-geared character in Spellbreak, but in Spellbreak, you gear up much faster, 
uh, which feels good, right? Like, it kind of felt like, you know, like every chest you pop has something good in it. Whereas PUBG, you might go 10 or 15 minutes before you find a good gun. Yeah. You know, like, that's not one of, like, the starter shit guns. Um, and I don't know. That's just, I don't know. That's just like a an aspect to the to the game, I guess. Yeah, and because you're, you're also always starting with, you know, a thing that's like, you know, at least semi-valuable to you. Um, like, you always have, like, a gauntlet. Um, and it's, that's all going to naturally level up over the course of the game. Um, I think that, and I also think that, like, uh, how do I want to put this? Uh, that, like, like I, 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 I think you're, like, you're, you're mostly right about this, about the, the, the looting aspect. I mean, I, I can't, I can't remember my, my, my deeper point here. Um, so my, my apologies for that. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, Spellbreak is a good game. We're, yeah. at, we're at our hour mark. I yeah, guess. it's a lot of fun. Um, I do like it's it's three person squads, which is you know a little bit inconvenient, but you know otherwise, yeah, I mean, that's like a minor thing. But like it's, it's it's super fun. I don't know how like how long I'll keep playing it, but it's fun for now. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, oh, you know what? That's like... before I remember what I was gonna say. So part oh, of the, okay. part of the reason why the looting also feels better is not only do you find a lot of stuff like you said, but it doesn't feel as gear dependent. Like the game has a lot of skill to it because also because like of the longer TTKs, sure. right? Like, like a better player could defeat a, a, a worse player with a better goal. In fact, I think it's more important that you be good than it is that you have good equipment, um, which I think yeah. is very important. I think that's true specifically about the runes. I was very surprised at how well I thought the runes differentiated good play from bad play. Um, like, I specifically remember there was one person who was really just fucking destroying me because he was using... He must have had, you know, like, the extra rune thing, but he was using either Spring Step or Featherfall to just, like, constantly bop into the air, and he just ran circles around me and killed the fuck out of me. And I was like, you know what? That person did not outplay me because they had a better gauntlet. They didn't outplay me because they had a better one. They just used their rune really well, and I was not prepared for it, right? Like, I think that... I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that that is a big consideration for the game. I also just think readability is nice in this game. I, I commented the game's UI, um, but one of the things that's just so nice is the readability of seeing its belt, and it's epic. That's better than my blue belt. Immediately equipped, right? Like, completely painless. Apex also has this. Um, which is which is obviously pretty nice, but I just feel like uh, not every BR is so like instantly comprehensible in the same way. Yeah, and, and on top of that too, this is something that for the cast Monic pointed out is like you see an opponent with a wind and a fire gauntlet, you know what you're going up against, right? Like, and it's very easy to distinguish, right? You don't have to worry about like, oh, is that the right thing? Like, maybe it will, you know, does do they have the attachments on the gun or whatever, right? Is especially in the yeah. war zone context, like, well, what the fuck are they even doing, right? Like, you know, you're not gonna tell what, the, what they're wielding from, from it. But anyway, um, uh, do we want to move on to where we extend? <laughs> Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Tell me, tell me all about it. What have you been up to? So the big thing. Besides playing spell break, I guess. <laughs> so the big thing that I played this weekend was the Guilty Gear uh, Strive Beta Two, which oh was. Oh my God! Tell me all about it. A ton of fun. The nerf for tempting because they're cowards, but uh, you know, other, you know, but he, he was he was very powerful, so it's probably not the end of the world. But um, it's so much fun. Um, it's like just kind of like. Um, it's so. This is funny. Um, for totally unrelated and stupid reasons, I went and listened to our old Pokemon Go um podcast 
uh, which was like back in year one, you know. Wow. Uh, okay. Funnily Brave. enough, <laughs> yeah. funnily enough, this was right after I had gone to Evo, and then I was like, I'm down to like train for next year, and I haven't been back to Evo since because it's been <laughs> it's been the same weekend as Gen Con for like the past yeah. five years, um, except for last year because you know of the uh, of the disease in the air, um, but uh, 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 but at that at that. Evo, I watched Exert played for the first, like, it was the first time I really put a lot of attention, or paid any attention to it, because um, the finals were super hype, super hype, um, and I, I had bought that game, in fact, I, if, I was listening to the guys, like, I went, I, I was at the finals in Mandalay Bay, watched it, and, like, ordered it on my phone right there, because I thought it was so cool looking. Games, I never ended up playing a ton of that, I think that was Exert, um, just because it's a very complicated game, and they've made Strive much more beginner-friendly, um, which I think is good in some ways. I know it's annoyed some of the people in the uh, in the community, um, but like I think it's accessible enough to just kind of like be grokkable. Um, and uh, you know, I've been playing a lot of Potemkin, uh, and it's like I feel like it's it's complicated enough. There's obviously a lot of depth there, but it's also simple enough that I feel like I'm not lost when things are happening in the game. So I think the the good sweet spot. This this is traditionally the role that like Street Fighter plays in kind of like the um, fighting game milieu is like Street Fighter is kind of very approachable game that like has um, um, a lot of depth and mechanics to it but like also like is a little bit slower it's not like a hyper fighter where things are happening a thousand times a second um, Guilty Gear is still very much an anime game um, but it's not so but like it's not so incomprehensible as to be like unapproachable which uh, yeah it reminds well because guilty gear these are all arc systems games right yes these are the blaz blue guys yep. i remember blaz blue was a big deal in college um and uh and they also did dbz the like dragon ball fighter z right i think so i think i think dbz's arc system uh i'm 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 just watching i just like brought up uh the i, I actually wanted to see potemkin because i saw a lot of system. memes about McKem potemkin because apparently he was busted on you know, in beta one, he was very, very strong. Uh, okay, um, and uh, just so, just so I can kind of like put a put a face to the name in a way. Um, yeah. Also, guilt I definitely see what you mean. Yeah, and guilt Guilty Gear lore is also like insane, like batshit insane. It's fun. It's fun to watch. I'll link to to. Yeah, Potemkin seems to be a fucking mecha, I guess. No, so he's he's a dude. So he's a dude in a suit. He was okay. so. Back in, like, the early, early, I guess it's, like, aughts or, like, the it's the in the 20s, in, around our time, right? Um, magic enters the world, and, like, uh, there's, like, and something happens with tech, and, like, everybody abandons tech except for Zahn. I think it's Zahn. No, no, Zahn's the League of Legends people. It's something that with the Z. Um, and uh, they, like, continue to use illegal technology, um, and they have a floating city, and, but then there's, like, uh, like the 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 uh, oligarchs own everything. There's a bunch of slaves, and he's a uh, Potemkin was a slave, but they they had a revolution in one of the early games, and so he's one of he's like the guard to the leader of this flying city, um, and he's like the the prior, primary agent. Um, okay. Yeah, but he's a dude in a metal suit, um, but he's a grappler, which is you know, um, and it's also like I think that city's like vaguely like an Indian XP. It's it's the story that doesn't make a lot of sense uh, or it does it's just complicated <laughs> um well fair enough the main villain is called that man 
straight to the point, yeah. I guess, you know. Uh... Well, the main character <laughs> is sole bad guy. Uh, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so so is that, is that it? Just the Strive Beta? Um, did I do anything else? Uh, Strive Beta was the vast majority of it. Um, oh, one thing else I wanted to give I also want to give a shout out to is uh, I've talked about this before. There's this um, YouTuber I follow called Apip Brody. Apip Brody's whole shtick is that he goes to conventions and like is vaguely obnoxious. Um, uh, uh, Lou's talking about I know I know is another Guilty Gear character. She's a witch. She's like a rock witch. Very cool character. She is the she comes from the backyard, and the backyard is like an alternate space. It's like it's like an alternate universe that got sealed in the book. Um, and I know is like the collective will of humanity to have a better future made real, but she's also not happy about it. Um, okay. Yeah. Man, you know people people make fun of WoW lore sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, no no. <laughs> it's pretty great. So. Oh. So gears are like weird technological, techno magical, like golems, um, and they feel guilt. No, okay. no, I no no. <laughs> I think so. The secret, like the big secret for the series, is that Soul is a gear, right? Like he's the guilty gear, because um, he's also like okay. a human rather than being solely. And then like so in the beginning there was that guy, that man, uh, Frederick, and his girlfriend Arya. And soul bad guy is Frederick, and Arya is like becomes like the 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 overgear. Except it's it's very complicated. I know is related to all this somehow. Um, it's very very complicated. Very sad. well. You know that's very fun. Speaking of complicated, Laura, I've been playing the Mass Effect. Oh, I'm sorry, I I interrupted you. You've been yeah. you're talking about your you're talking about your YouTube guy. Yeah, yeah. Bit Brody. Yeah. So. Speaking of complicated lore, also. Um, yeah. Uh, so, no, this is... So, his whole thing was he went to conventions and was very obnoxious. And, like, war... Like, was, he was a used cars, car salesman of gaming was his tagline. You can't go to conventions during a pandemic, obviously. So... <laughs> That's true. So, the very beginning of the pandemic, he was, like... Uh, so, uh, he was, like, at the Antolympics. And, like, he did that for, like, two weeks. And it's, like... You know, in the real world, it's kind of, like, well, this is going to last for a while. So, he's, like... So he basically like had for like nine months people do guest videos for uh, while he was doing the Antolympics there and, you know um, and then like somewhere I think in November he comes back and they start doing like these scripted story bits and it's like the dude behind the camera or I don't know if he's actually Chase I don't know if he's actually always been behind the camera or if it's just kind of like a fiction for this but it's basically like basically it's gone like all art house like you know. Uh, uh, Chase ends up shooting, like, um, Brody hands Chase a gun and is like, you know, oh, for the skate, you're going to have to point the gun at me and pull the trigger. And he, Brody has loaded the gun and is like, has shooted him and he's been in the hospital for like the past like 15 episodes and like Chase has been like going on like a spirit journey and trying to figure out how to continue the channel and it involves like a woman who makes puppets and like they go on like an acid trip. It is very strange and very entertaining and the channel has like 12k viewers so it's not getting a ton of attention <laughs> but it is amazing so uh i will like to you know on that some... note uh so i've talked in the past about patrick h Williams. i in in the derpies i gave him my like youtuber of the year award right um and that was specifically for the talk show era um 
But Patrick has, um, he has like a seasons to his show. And his show is about himself and his friends making YouTube videos, right? And, uh, and like a lot of the time there are these narrative bits that are at the front and at the end of the video, like Patrick will be doing something and then he'll say like, huh, you know, this makes me think of whatever star Wars. And then he'll go, he'll go into the video essay for 30 minutes talking about whatever the star Wars thing is. And then he'll be like, yeah, so those are my thoughts about star Wars. And then they'll do like a little bit of plot or whatever. Since the beginning of 2019, we have been in season two of the Patrick Gates Willems show. Season two began with Patrick coming back from uh, a vacation to like the Bahamas or like Bermuda or something. And he had a pet coconut who was his friend Charles, right? And for the last two years, there's just been like all of this lore in the show, in like the background of the show about Patrick and Charles and Matt and Jake and like all these different people like coming in and obviously there was like the talk show era and like all this stuff it is finally coming to an end the season finale of season two of Patrick H. Williams is next month in a couple of weeks um and it is just narrative it is like 30 minute short film about wrapping up like the Charles storyline and I honestly want almost want to do a podcast on the whole thing because it is Though it is, I it is insane. I cannot believe he pulled it off. There was in the episode before the most recent episode, there was a gigantic plot twist that had the entire Patrick H. Willems fandom. I guess like everyone was like, "Holy shit!" And I remember because I was in the YouTube chat during the premiere. He set like a premiere for it or whatever, and um, and the thing happened like the plot twist happened and the chat just went like fucking insane and i think i'm maybe one of like a couple hundred maybe a thousand people for the for a long time in patrick's videos the top comment on all of his videos was if you just want to get to the good stuff skip to this and it would, it would add a time code for like skipping and eventually he just added it to the video where he says like for the you know if you want to hear about star wars skip to 433 or whatever the number is um, but for those of us who have stuck around for the narrative bits, it has been, it's been a wild fucking ride and I'm, and I'm excited to see its conclusion. Uh, I don't know what else to say besides buddy, that, but buddy, I can't believe it's happening. Buddy, I, I love you, but I'm not going to watch two years worth of, uh, <laughs> YouTube essays. I, you know, honestly, I think some of them are, are very good, and I've wanted to, because we did the one on plot, plot holes, and I've wanted to do um, episodes on some of the on some of the other stuff that he's covered, because I think there's actually just some, like, really interesting shit in there um, that I'll sometimes talk about. Like, for instance, his most recent episode is, is The Trouble with Trilogies, which sort of talks about how, um, you know, a lot of our big film franchises are these trilogies that end with a disappointing final installment, right? Like the Matrix Revolutions, the Rise of Skywalker, you know, is a good example. Um, even stuff like the Dark Knight Rises, right? Yeah, like, even even Return um, of the Jedi isn't as good as Empire, right? Like, yeah, yeah, he spends a lot of time actually talking about Return of the Jedi, mostly because like there's a lot of scholarship on that, right? Like people have talked about Return of the Jedi, um, or like like the making of Return of the Jedi in a way that you can kind of peel back the curtain. Like one of the things that George Lucas originally had for Return of the Jedi is that Han and, uh, or I'm sorry, not Han, because Han's in Carbonate. 
um, Luke and Leia at the beginning of the movie have a conflict because they have to decide whether or not they want to follow through with the rebellion, doing doing rebellion stuff, and or save Han, right? And which they eventually, you know, obviously would theoretically choose save Han. That stuff got cut out in the script phase. Like it's not like there's like this. This is like Snyder cut kind of territory or right. anything like that. But it's just like decisions like that get made and they do make the movie sort of worse because like one of the things that sucks about that movie is that Han and Leia don't really have any anything going on. Their their stuff has basically been resolved in Empire and they're just kind of hanging around, right? Like this is what the red letter media guys talk about, right? Like Han, Han and Leia in Return of the Jedi are basically just a B-plot that goes nowhere. The interesting stuff is all happening with Luke and Vader, and then you cut back to Han and Leia, and there's just nothing interesting going on on a character level, which I do think is true, to be honest. Um, and I just think that that is... I don't know. I just think that that's interesting. He's had a couple of other videos like that. Like One of them is, what's the point of R-rated superheroes, where he just kind of talks about, like, why are we trying to, you know... what is What is with the current fascination of making like these super edgy you know like the boys would be a good example invincible would be another good example um of like very like brutal bleak versions of superheroes um and like superhero stuff or whatever so i definitely would recommend the patrick h willems oeuvre but yeah, it is uh, it is a little bit nuts that this has been going on for for two fucking years. <laughs> yeah, and to be clear, it's not that I, I particularly object to what it's like. If we if you wanted to do a show on this for the finale, I'm not watching two years worth of analysis videos in like a week sure. or two. <laughs> Plus, we're also like really backed up on stuff that we're supposed yeah. to watch. Like we've said, we were going to do a Young Justice episode and a My Hero Academia episode. Both of which have not a Mandalorian episode. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, none of these have materialized. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just keep, you know, just keep finding games to play. You know, it took it took us four yeah. weeks to, to do an Outriders episode. <laughs> oh, my God, right? Um, continuous delays. And then other than that, uh, I have been playing the, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which I have not been playing as much of as I was expecting to. I'm only, like, 12 hours in, which sounds bad because i guess it came out on friday so maybe that is a lot of time but i was expecting to like be done with mass effect by the end of the weekend uh but i ended up playing a bunch of a bunch of wow because you know people pinged me and i was just like i fucking love running mythics (laughs) um i am immensely surprised at how well mass effect one specifically the opening kind of chapter really holds up. I think a lot of Mass Effect's side content is not great or compelling, and um, and you can really sort of feel its age when it comes to that stuff. At the time, I remember this being magical, right? Like, the idea that I had this starship and I could go to any system in the galaxy and land on these planets and, like, explore them, and there was stuff to explore, and I just spent so much time doing, like, doing that stuff, but now you can really, like, feel... Because we've had better open-world games in, in the intervening 15 years, um how kind of bare bones a lot of a lot of that stuff uh is but i'm still determined to do it from some sort of weird odd completionist thing um i have been very painstakingly mapping out what are the systems that i have explored for like stuff and what are the systems that i have not explored yet in terms of like what planets have i landed on and i've done their like little like like little story content or whatever um 
but honestly, I think I might just get to a point where I end up mainlining the rest of the the rest of the the core narrative stuff because that stuff is all still really good. Um, I think Mass Effect has maybe one of the best opening hours of a modern video game that I can think of. Though, like the very first Mass Effect has just like a really enticing, really compelling hook. Um, everything from Eden Prime kind of up through the first kind of interaction on the Citadel. You get all these different squad mates over over that the course of that. But I just really love like one of my favorite things in the game is the. It reminds me of sort of these Blizzard plot twists that I talk about, right? Like where Illidan kills, um, where Illidan kills Zira, the Prime Naru at the end of Legion, or uh, Anduin is a good example of this, right? Like the current stuff that's going on with Anduin and Shadowlands, right? Like these these really interesting plot twists where you think it's going to go one way and then it goes, you know, really hard the other direction. The opening of the game includes this Turian Spectre Nihilus, and he's like, I'm going to watch your back for the first couple of missions because I want to get a sense for your abilities. And then he fucking dies immediately. And it's just like, that's really compelling drama. Like, you think this is a game where you're going to have, like, a mentor figure and you're going to grow. It's like, nope, mm -mm, that guy's dead. This is a stakes-raising moment, and it's fucking sweet. Um, I also realize how much I enjoy real voice actors um this is a weird thing for me to kind of complain about i guess uh but something i was thinking about the other day was how much having kind of celebrity voice actors sort of sucks in games because they are not good at them whereas i'm very immersed maybe it's just a, a matter of writing i'm very immersed in the mass effect world and i think part of that is that the like a lot of the voice actors that i'm i'm interacting with on a on a moment to moment moment-to-moment -moment basis aren't like i don't know hamming it up maybe i is, is is what i'm sort of like describing here i'm actually kind of shitting on by the way future bioware games because i think the future bioware games is where they they pull in like you know freddie prince jr whoever to like voice act stuff um but I, it's just i don't know it's just, there's something good about all of the voice acting so far though i am really itching obviously to get to Mass Effect 2, because I have not played that game in a long time, and I'm excited to get all of the fucking achievements again, even though I've already done that once over already. So, mm. yeah. Uh, that's another trilogy with a questionable third third uh, entry. Mass I would argue that it is not, but fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, even... Do you think that Mass Effect 3 is better than Mass Effect 2? Uh, no, but I think that it is very good. Like, I think the Mass Effect 3 is a very good video game. Sure. I mean, I think Return of the like, Jedi is like, a great movie, uh, you know, even if, though I don't think it's as good as Empire, right? So. What's a good, what's a good, what's a good, well, yeah, but I think it's better than Return of the Jedi. Um, i trying to think of, what's a, a trilogy that ends really well, but like not amazing? Kung Fu Panda is a good example of this. Kung Fu Panda 3 is a very good film, but Kung Fu Panda 2 is better, right? You know, I would say that Mass Effect is pretty similar, right? I have gripes. I don't think the ending is great, but I also think that people are insane about the mass effect ending people are also insane about certain other story decisions in there that i think they are very wrong about um you know in, in sort of the same way that like I, I described this about battle for azeroth right when we were talking about that expansion of podcast last year the people's opinion trickles down in a way right because they they create this idea that battle for azeroth is a bad expansion everything inside of that expansion then becomes subsequently bad 
Um, and I think that that's also true of the Mass Effect of Mass Effect Three. I don't think the Mass Effect Three, like Mass Effect Three's ending, is very good. The final fifteen minutes are are very good. Uh, but I think the whole rest of the game is spectacular. Um, and to be honest, is much better than Mass Effect Two in a lot of uh, in a lot of places in a lot of ways. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. No. I. I. I, I mean. I, I also think that part of that is like. I feel. I think a lot of people feel, and I. I sometimes felt that like if you don't stick the landing, you know, you might as well throw the rest of it out, right? Like I think. I think Return of the Jedi sticks the landing, right? Like I don't. You know, I don't think it's perfect, but sure. like I can forgive that. Like the B plot of Return of the Jedi is kind of weak, because I think the moment between Luke and Anakin, you know, is, is that good? Yeah. Yeah. Um, conversely, and you know, I never played through Mass Effect all the way, but I can understand when people say that, you know, the fact that the ending kind of like seems to my understanding is that paves over kind of like the whole um uh you know whole like your choices matter type thing especially in the initial release i think part of this too is that like you know with with the with the uh you know the ability like with because the legendary edition comes with all the dlc right like sure. I, th I think the full product's always going to be better right like this so okay yeah but here, here's my thing about that i i do understand that chris and this and this is what i think is wrong the whole game is about your choices mattering right and you are playing through plenty of spots where it is taking into account the different choices that you are, have made and are paying those off so i don't think the ending needs to pay those things off because they have been paid off in x1 2 and 3 you know what i mean in in the in the previous and this the, the, and so that is my very specific gripe like yes i think in the very final seconds of the game it is dumb that the final thing that that shepherd does is like kill a random enemy with a pistol and then go do this you know this what this whatever thing in the sky with like fucking dialogue what you know what 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 whatever whatever that ending kind of like ends up being but i don't think that choices fail to matter because we have spent the entire time paying off all the you know you're going to the krogan homeworld and following up on all the krogan plot threads you're going to you know uh the the quarian homeworld and following up on all of this quarian geth plot threads those choices are paid off in the game and i just feel like that stuff is ignored because like i don't know i guess it's not in like i i feel like what people wanted was the ending of fallout 3 where it goes through in the end sequence of the game and says well after the the wanderer did this these guys did that and i don't think that that is a good example of choices mattering i want that stuff to be gameplay in the meat of the story i don't want it to pay off at the you know like i don't want the payoff to be a cutscene at the end i want the payoff to be moments that i'm playing in the game so that's my that's my thing about mass effect mm -hmm. 3 uh and and it's uh, you know it's ending or whatever um i would say anyway. i would say why not both because I, th I think you're right in a lot of ways but like um yeah and you know I'm, I'm like you said i'm not i'm not uh super qualified to talk on mass effect since i never finished it but uh yeah maybe i'll do that at some point and we can talk about it um but, uh, I definitely also think Mass Effect 3 gets better. So I do agree with your point that Mass Effect 3 gets better with the DLC. I mean, a lot of people would say that the real ending of that game is this is what's called the Citadel DS DLC, which is a DLC side story. But it is the story that pays off uh, specifically like all of your companions, right? Like it is it is the DLC where you are hanging out with and you have a big party with everybody and i actually think that that works well as a as a piece of side content because it doesn't make sense in like a you know like in an end of the world scenario to sort of end with that party but 
as that as the final piece of DLC for the game. It is it is very satisfying, and um, and that you know was not in release. So I definitely I definitely would would get you know people not uh, not really connecting with the the initial release of the game because there was stuff that's kind of hidden away with DLC. Fair enough. Um, you have anything else you want to talk about before we punch out? No, I'm good. All right. Well, if you'd like to email us about any of the things we talked about on this podcast, you can email us at dirtplaygames.com. Podcast, excuse me, at dirtplaygames.com. You can follow us at pitch.tv. Dirtplaygames is where these go live. You can also follow us on YouTube, um, where I managed to get the episode up early this week. So you know, hell yeah, uh, it's uh, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, make, I'm making progress. Um, like and subscribe us there. I guess that's the thing I'm supposed to do. Uh, you know, all the things. Rate us forever. Be good to us. Give us your love, please. We, we crave it. We crave it <laughs> desperately. Um, uh, but that's everything I have. But yeah, you have anything you're looking to promote? I have. Oh, you know what? Uh, we're doing uh, we're doing another movie night this week. We're watching Space Jam, Ooh. which I'm mad about. I put Space Jam up because somebody was like, "Hey, what, do you guys want to watch Space Jam?" Because I, I put these up for polls or whatever. I, I don't even know who recommended it, but as soon as I put Space Jam up, I was like, "There's no fucking way." that Space Jam is losing the vote, and sure enough, it yeah, I put, it was Space Jam, Teen Titans Go to the Movies, and Drunken Master, which is the Jackie Chan movie from the 70s, um, and Space Jam got 11 votes to the other ones, too, <laughs> it's like, yeah, people really love the base, the basketball movie, I guess. N- not only that, but like, it's kind of like, you know, what's, what's the, uh, what's, what's the expression, you know, vanilla isn't the most popular ice cream flavor in America because it's anybody's favorite. It's because every, you know, like, you know, Teen Titans go to the movie. We both loved, but it's also kind of more niche than like Drunken Master. Mm. Um, I think I've seen that. If I remember the one, it's, it's fun, but like, you know, that's like, you know, might as well put up like, put up like, you know, what's, what's like a... Casablanca. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for all, for all, uh, you know, random people on the internet, you know, I care, but uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but anyway, um, uh, you know, with that, uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>